Stuart, how are you doing? I'm all yeah, right. I'm, I'm all right. I, 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 I've hopped on the grapevine that you're doing the podcast tonight from your toilet. I am. Uh, I've got internet issues, so I'm... Uh, I'm on my phone. I'm trying to lag it off my phone here. So if I sound like an alien at some point, uh, please accept my apologies. Um, but, uh, you know, we've had a good couple of weeks. Uh, I've been to a few shows. We went to see Discharge on Friday night at the New Cross Inn, which was amazing. And went to see Benefits, big special, Minas at Oslo and Hackney last Thursday. Big shout out to Kingsley. Great to see him. Uh, great to see him there. Great to see the band performing brand new remix of Council Rust, which was amazing, absolutely amazing the way they delivered it. Um, and now, this week, we're on to C on the A to Z of punk. And as usual, uh, yeah. I'd, like, I'd like to start with, uh, and you can obviously jump in at times, sure, but I'd like to start with my C's. Now, it's not a long list, but I'll quickly run through my C's of punk. And then we have... Uh, extra special guest on tonight uh you've heard us talking uh over the last few episodes about our love of art and our love of people like uh, jamie reed and cold war steve and we fail and people like that well we've got an extra special guest who we shall announce at the end of my seas but you are obviously going to jump in at some point with captain sensible so i thought i'd get there first <laughs> so we can get the damned on every podcast yeah. right yeah so Captain Sensible, CBGBs, Coxbarra, Crass, The Chefs, Chelsea, The Cramps, Culture Shop, Circle Jerks, The Clash. Couldn't go, couldn't go without mentioning The Clash. First band I saw. Uh, Conflict, Chumbawamba, The Catinas, Throne Gen, China Drum, Cardiacs, and The Cockney Rejects. I'm jumping to add, Stuart. Chaos UK. Chaos UK. Of course, of course, yeah. Uh, chaotic Discord. There yeah, you know, there's another one for me. Yeah, Cron Gen. Cron Gen. I said they were in there. They were oh, in oh, after I, missed, I missed yeah, it. So. I, was, I was savoring the Captain Sensible moment and missed it. Yeah. So um, before we introduce our guest, remember to follow us on Instagram. Follow us on X. Try not to follow us on Twitter. Follow us on because uh, it doesn't exist anymore. It's called X. Mm. But we're also on Threads which uh, if you follow us on that, uh, we'll be putting up some more competitions for some tickets and giveaways over the next few weeks. But, but without further ado... Well, hold on. To... Well, before oh, we do oh, that... Oh, just... oh, oh, there, oh, oh, there, there is an ado. Is Sorry, there an ado? Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's an agado here. And I'm just going to do a quick right. shout out to our supporter, BSI Merch, for yet again uh, helping us stay on the air doing this podcast bsi merch um sustainable ethical great bunch of people if you're looking for merch you're in a band or you need some merch you could do a lot worse than uh, look them up so a big thanks shout out to andy and the team at bsi merch thank you very much so yeah thanks thank, thank, thank you very yeah i mean what can we see well, I mean, it's uh, it's it's a it's an absolute honour this evening to yeah. have what I can only describe as one of the most influential artists involved in you know the birth and the development of um, punk punk records and punk design over the last. I mean, I guess I mean I'm not going to say how long because it'll embarrass him. Forty three years. Forty three years. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Mr. Mike Cole. So it's. Uh, I'm sorry, for, it's forty five. Yeah, forty five years. <laughs> Yeah, 45 years. And I mean, talking about that, I mean, obviously, 
I mean, we are going to talk through a little bit of, you know, a little bit more about you, where you come from, your influence, etc. But obviously, listeners will know you best for, well, maybe best for a lot of different things. But, you know, most poignantly, Killing Joke and the and the designs you've done, you've done for those iconic and seminal albums. Um, but I, I think I, that's I, about it. Yeah, well, I mean, there are other things, and we won't talk about other things because you did do other things, and there are some more contemporary things as well. But we'll get to that. Because, but with I've, malicious damage, was it was it initially set up as a record label, or was it a vehicle for your art? Well, both. It was right. it was set up as a label, but I only got involved as a vehicle for my art. You're so right. I could okay. get a, find an outlet for all the weird stuff I was doing. Because at the time I was working in advertising, trying to make a living, you know. And, yeah. and they don't like weird stuff in advertising. <laughs> yeah, despite their best efforts, they do play it safe. That's true. But yeah. I remember talking to you a little while ago and you were, you were telling me about your time sort of before you moved to London. I think that was in the mid-70s where you were sort of pretty influenced by the kind of sort of late hippie scene. Um, oh yeah, I was I was a full on hippie freak when I was in my teens and early twenties. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Got to see bands like Pink Fairies, Hawkwind, Edgar Broughton Band, all those, all which to me were very sort of proto punk attitude. Yeah. They were, yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember uh, reading an interview with Joe Strummer, and he talked about a lot of those bands. He was living around the same sort of area, Labrook Grove. Uh, Westbourne Park, etc., as yeah. the Killing Joke guys, you know, back in the day, and and the free festival scene, and those bands were a huge influence on on the development, yeah. of sort of the early punk thing. But I also, given your art, I mean, were things like Oz and It, you know, those sorts yeah. of publications influential? Oz and It, It, yeah. whatever. Yeah, we'd be like, you know, you can afford to buy it, but I'd go down the shops, the hippie shops, and read them. Or a mate yeah. would buy one, and you'd all sit around reading it and stuff. And yeah, I loved all that. I mean, I reference back to International Times and those sorts of publications. You know, when I got into bands like Crass and Flux later, because of course, you know that 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 was another scene that was. I know I always talk about it, so don't cut me mm-hmm. off. But, I mean, I. You know, they were in, they were really influenced by all of that stuff. So it's a really great yeah. place to to start. And I and I've heard you also reference artists that you were into. You know, at the time, like um, Francis Bacon and well, Gilbert yeah. George, I guess. You know, um, and there used to be a setup called Hapsash and the Coloured Coat. Right, right. It was run by two guys called Nigel Weymouth and Michael English, and they used mm-hmm. to do all, a lot. Of that sort of psychedelic West Coast type stuff, mm. you know, sort of for the, used to be for the Grateful Dead, Jimi Hendrix, and all that sort of thing, all that psychedelic posters, and I loved all that. Amazing. I mean, did you see a kind of point in it all where the punk thing started to happen? Was there a moment when? You know, there was that sort of six, 60s hippie, early 70s thing. There was the free festivals at Windsor, which we, we you and I have talked, the three of us have talked about before. Yeah. yeah. Was there a kind of crossover period, do you think, where the music kind of changed, the attitude changed, the politics kind of changed? Do you remember that kind I of? I think it sort of smouldered. Yeah. And it, like a smouldering change. And then basically the pistols came along and fucking blew the fuse. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was all sort of building up. Everyone was getting pissed off with 
the prog stuff. Yeah. You know, and all that bands like Yes and all that sort of thing. And then, Emerson Lake Emerson Lake and Palmer, yeah. I believe, were one of the main protagonists. Yeah. When I was nineteen years old, I hired the Civic Theatre in Darlington and I put Yes on. Yeah. Right. That was my first gig, actually putting a big band on in a in a proper right. big theatre. And did he come uh, with his bank of keyboards and uh, long hair and nights on the table? This was, this was before Wakeman. Right, okay. This was really early, yes. They were like a new, just about getting discovered band. Right. I couldn't afford to pay them. That's another story. But... I've, also heard, <laughs> I've also heard you say, Mike, that in those early years, you, it's not that you came from a kind of educate you know you weren't at art school i mean i might have got that wrong but I've heard, i remember you, you saying that you you know you weren't kind of trained to to do this no, i went to i left i left school and went to art school and i i only lasted the term and a half because i couldn't get it yeah all i wanted to do is like posters and graphics and stuff and i was just lost in it really i'd had a weird upbringing and stuff i was Nurture. I was sent off to be a priest when I was 10. Oh, I came right. back when I was 11. And then I was an altar boy till I was about 15. So I was kicking back against all that. Yeah. And then I just hated it at school and education. And I sort of hit art college. It didn't get it. Went off on sex and drugs and rock and roll. Mm. And when I was 19, my mum had got this insurance policy. And I think... Uh, I got 28 quid when I was 18. That's what I used to do the the gig for Yes. Right. But then after that, I started songwriting. I'm, I had a girlfriend who was a folk singer. Right. And she was quite good, so, but her lyrics weren't great. So I wrote all the lyrics. Mm. She wrote the songs, and we ended up with Island Records with a record deal. Wow, Excellent. And that was when I was about twenty, twenty-one. But was that was that was that was that under your own name? Was that no, under your she own? She was called Claire Hamill. Right. Okay. Is, is um, any relation to Peter Hamill? No, no, no relation no. whatsoever. No. Right. Okay. But she dumped me when we got when she got the record deal. So <laughs> I fucked off to Cardiff and got pissed for a year. Yeah. Nice. Fair enough, mate. Well, it was folk music. Let's be fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you, malicious damage. You, you initially set up seventy nine to what eighty two, eighty three, and then you That's took right. a bit of a hiatus. What, what What did you do till you came back in the mid two thousands? Well, in between, I mean, malicious damage was set up with Killing Joke and the other guys. And it, it all collapsed. I left when it, it became all about Killing Joke. I thought we were going to start getting new bands and all this. Right. But suddenly we were like working for Killing Joke all the time. So I just went off and I did some advertising stuff again. You know, there was more right. money. Because I wasn't getting paid for malicious damage either. <laughs> but then I yeah. still kept in touch with youth and Alex Patterson. So I was working with them on the Wow Mr. Mordo stuff. And the early, and you, early orb stuff. And you're doing you're doing a box set with the orb at the moment, aren't you? I am, Alex. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is coming out via cooking vinyl. I think you, you mentioned That's too. right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when when you're doing the art, mate, do 
do the acts that you work with, do they contribute to it or do they just leave it all to you? Contribute or interfere. <laughs> yeah, you can look at that in two different ways. It was a, it was a bit of a loaded question, actually. Yeah. Well, Killing Joke contribute quite a lot. Yeah. Right, okay. And it's a nightmare. But we always get there in the end. You know? Yeah. I mean, that first Killing Joke album, which is, you know, one of the most, which is just an absolutely brilliant record sleeve. It's it's up there, isn't it, in in in, in the Hall of Fame for me. The it game is because the record's so good. Yeah. yeah. If the record had been shit, yeah. you wouldn't even look at that twice, you yeah. know. I mean, the, is intro it not, to, the, the, the intro to that album is probably one of the best intros on any album ever made. If you haven't listened to the first Killing Joke album, do yourselves a favour, go and listen to it now. Well, yeah, look, and, look it, at the, it, and look at the bloody sleeve as well. I mean, it's... Exactly. Yeah. And when, you listen, when you've finished listening to it, remind yourself that these were kids. They were teenagers. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it's amazing, isn't it, that in the sort of pantheon of music, there's a few albums that kind of stand up where every single track is a blinding track. The artwork is seminal. The package is just so complete. It's very sometimes other bands find it difficult to replicate that that iconic album. You know, I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll put it in there. Never mind the bollocks. Well, I, I was going to say that. Never mind the bollocks. I'd say Nirvana's Nevermind's probably one of those records. Where, you know, every song. Sc- Scream Delica. Yeah, there's a few. I mean, I summed up, summed up the whole moment of time. You know, even yeah, though I, it was a just yeah, a stain I mean, on an office wall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say um, the London Calling as well is probably yeah, yeah. fives for that, and it's in there. You know, we're talking about big records. You know, we're talking about. Amazing company, and and that Killing Joe record is in there, and it's um, and and yeah. I think that the conversation tonight, you know, when we look back on that, is to understand the legacy of artists like Killing Joke and what their role that they played, and 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 going back to the work that you did, how important the artwork and the imagery was, because it was a photograph, wasn't it? From a was it's it a photograph that I ripped out of a magazine? Yeah, stuck it on a board, and I was just playing about with stuff. And I think I did a similar thing with a similar picture, and I just painted malicious damage on the wall. Yeah, uh, that looked quite good. And then I did that. I just painted killing joke. I showed it to Brian, who was manager, and another malicious damage guy. And he said, "Oh, it's fucking brilliant. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's show it to the band." And then I uh, then that was early on when it was just the magazine thing, and I photocopied it and did stuff to it to make mm-hmm. it really black and white and harsh. And it just, it did sound, it did look like the music. It really did. And and, and, then, was, and then, of course, there was the, the, the singles that came off it. I think the two key ones being Requiem and War Dance. I mean, Requiem was just, yeah. was, a, was, a, was a, a capture of a part of the album sleeve. Yeah. But War Dance, of course, was an, another iconic piece of, Mm. where you'd juxtaposed Fred Astaire tap dancing yeah. over a field of corpses. I mean, you know. I like to think that Banksy saw the Requiem one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah of so. course. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, but there you go. I mean, this is how influential this stuff was. And you can, I love joining the dots for all of this stuff, you know. And, um, yeah. And I, and I remember reading a book about the art, crass artist. I'll talk about them again. Crass artist, uh, G Voucher. And she name checks you and she references that, that sleeve and how the kind of, you know, the, the, the forces that the dynamics that are at work around art and music at that time. The politics, the sentiment, the attitude was so, so summed up by the art. Crass wouldn't have been crass without the artwork and Killing Joke potentially wouldn't have been the same Killing Joke package without the, that artwork, yeah. those early albums. I mean, I mean, they obviously went on and did more commercial things, but those, you know, what's this for? And that and, and the Killing Joke first record, I just think uh, are up there with, with them on yeah. the, the clash, as we were saying. So, you know, do you think that, when I mean, we're talking about the artwork and the music, what comes first? I mean, what's the most important element? Is it the is it the complete packages at the artwork, or is it always the music? I think it's the music. And back in the beginning, I, I was doing stuff that I, I was just doing it and thinking, "Oh, this would look great on a record sleeve," mm. and trying to get away with it. With you know, but these days. You you just sit down with Killing Joke. They're all over the world, but you, you sort yeah. of it just hey, so any, is, as a, as a, it's know. almost like a fight, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you the guy introducing the, the the contestants, you know, and in the blue corner we have youth, and in the yellow right. corner we got jazz. But he won't say anything till it's all been done. And then, and then we got Big Paul, and we got Geordie, and I'm in the middle trying to get sense out of all of them. Mm. And in the end, I just do what I want and see if they like it. Yeah. And then it's a democracy killing joke. It always has been. Well, there's there's something you mentioned there, Mike, that I forgot to mention. In C, Jazz Coleman. Yeah. There's another yeah. C, so it, it deserves an honorary mention, certainly in this episode of the podcast. Yeah. Which you know, which band or solo act, current or in the past, would you have loved to have done a single cover or an album cover for, and haven't? Oh, there's a question. <laughs> it's it's ne- never bothered me. Mm, I mean, right. I suppose when I was young, it would have been Jimi Hendrix or somebody like that. Yeah. Okay. I'd have loved to have done a Jimi Hendrix or a. I did a Pink Floyd one when I, when I was at school for for see Emily play. Yeah, right. About fifteen, which I've still got. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, so well, that's amazing. I, 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 I just like working with them. Basically, I work with my mates. I work with Alex yeah. Patterson. I work with you. Yep. I work with Big Paul. Yeah, and and, and if. If some band came, like if Radiohead came along and said, oh, would you do as a record sleeve? I'd probably say no. Love it, love it, mate. I like what you're yeah. saying, Mike, because, of course, it's all about the music, isn't it? So I, can real, I realise now why you'd come to that conclusion. Cause yeah, I couldn't, yeah. yeah. Couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. Radiohead are not one of our favourite bands on Dead's no. Not Punk. We can we can say that you've you've also had uh, you've had a couple of books out as well, I believe. Um, what uh, I did a book in 2016 called 40 Years in the Wilderness." Right. I was looking through. I was in Waterstones, looking through a book of album covers, 
I do this thing about if I go into a record shop, into bookshops and the and music section, I just think, well, I've seen, I find anything one of my record sleeves in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it had the first Killing Joke album in it, and it said, designer uncredited. Yeah. And I was, I went home, I said to my missus, I said, this, fucking, this is ridiculous. I said, I'm going to do a book with all my stuff in it. And I just called it 40 Years in the Wilderness because no one knew who the fuck I was. (laughs) I hope you don't mind all this swearing. You don't mind it at all, no. You should start an agency called Designer Uncredited and then, of course, you'd get credit for all of those... uh, All of those pictures. So, uh, yeah, great. It's so, like having a band called Plus Support. Yeah, I always thought if I was in another band, I'd call it Free Drinks. No, I'd call yeah. it Special Guests. Yeah, if, well, if you had free drinks at the Union, the, the Poly Union, of course, it'd be packed, wouldn't it? Uh, um, special, special Guests are on every gig. <laughs> more, gigs, more gigs than anybody else, you know. So, Yeah. So I, I suppose, Mike, talking about Killing Jokes so much, you know, I mean, the... A lot of people, a lot of Killing Joke fans who, who listen to the podcast and stuff will be thinking to themselves, well, when are we going to get the next? Yeah, both of them, yeah. Both, both yeah. of them are still with us. Um, when, when are we going to get the next uh, Killing Joke record? And, of course, you know, that, that's, that, that's the, that's the million-dollar question. But if, when the next record does come, I mean, I take it, you know, they're going to come and talk to you, I hope so, about doing the artwork. And what would be the process there? Would, I mean, I guess you'd listen to the album first. Yes, yeah. I'd listen to the album, and then the people would start saying, "We we don't." You start off with a lot of negatives. Mm. We don't want it like this. We don't want it like that. We don't want this. We don't want that. Okay, then what do you want? Well, how about <laughs> this? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, 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 I forget what they've seen in the past. You know, I'll start sending yeah. them stuff. You showed us this ten years ago. <laughs> and then what's the what's the title going to be? You know, I mean, when they did it, when the, the 2012 al- album, it was only called 2012 because I put 2012 in Roman numerals on the designs because it didn't have a title. Right. So everybody thought that was the title. Mm. So it ended up being called 2012. Yeah, that's funny. came at the very last minute. Geordie just said, how about Pylon? And you could see the tumbleweed yeah. flying across the internet. Pylon. Oh. oh. Yeah, all right then. Yeah. And, and it worked, you know. So yeah. in the end, you, you get there. It's just a, it's just a, a bit of a battle, mm. an enjoyable one. Mm. Do you think that um, – I just wanted to go back to sort of the early work and, you know, some of the other artists that we've – talked about and also just acknowledge the fact that the world seems to be in a kind of rather well it's always been in a precarious place but what's going on around the world at the moment do you think that you know the the political commentary that sort of sits behind the artwork or is underscored by the artwork particularly with artists like cold war steve and the things that you've done in g etc and the people we've talked about do you think that that has has become more relevant now and has got you know is is become more essential Looking back on it, or or what people are doing now, 
Well, I think I think looking back on it, it was really essential because it kept, particularly yeah. during the Cold War, where there was this sort of. I mean, I remember being a teenager and living with the threat of a nuclear war, and I remember yeah. Pr- yeah. protect and survive booklets being put through the door with what to do in mm. case of a nuclear attack. Yeah. And we were going to school and being told if there's a nuclear attack, gun under the desk. I mean, I don't know what that would have done, but um, under the, or under the stairs at home, or under the stairs, yeah. If a thermonuclear bomb drops on your house get under the stairs, you know, you'll be fine. Um, but, you know, it feels a little bit like you know, sometimes art and, and, and music has come, but is all about the design, is all about design, but the essence of the music or the, the political content or the, you know, what the band are about, their attitude, etc., can be summed up and expressed in the art. And I, and I think that that needs to come back. You know, if the world is at war and the environment's on fire, you know, why what, Why are we not representing that and the medium of the art as well as in the music? That's kind of, I'm, I don't want to answer the question for you, but it feels a little bit like the why those records were so powerful is because they were a package and they expressed a sentiment in the round. And if the music doesn't have the art to go with it, it loses a bit of its message and its power. Similarly, brilliant sleeve, and as you said right at the beginning of the conversation, shit record. It wouldn't have been the same. But if you put the yeah. two things together, it it's really powerful, and I think we need that now. And I'm looking forward to a new Killing Joke record and a new Mike Cole's art, art, you know, the artwork because I think it's needed. I really do. Yeah. So well, first, we need the record, don't we? Well, we do need yeah. the record, and. Uh, if any of Killing Joke are listening to this podcast, you could email us in and give us some information about that. That'd be great. But, you know, I'm sure it's coming. <coughs> um, it, will, it will come, yeah. yeah. I know these things take time and a lot but of... The funny thing is, well, I mean, when we first started off with Killing Joke, the, the idea was that they were anonymous. You wouldn't see them. Hmm. We'd just put these sleeves out, and especially the singles, you know, this weird artwork... And that's all you would see, and you wouldn't see the band. Hmm. But then they got signed to EG, and it became in what I, I used to call the Vogue years. Yeah. Suddenly we <laughs> were doing photo shoots with wind machines. <laughs> yeah. You know, Raven's leather jacket and bare chest and all that blowing in the wind and stuff. And, and it just it lost its sort of essence of mystery and... Mm. And it just became, and, and, and the, the music was still good. Mm. You know, Brighter Than a Thousand Suns and Revelations were, were great, and what and um, Fire Dancers, but yeah. it just became just too sort of saccharine, you know, just sort of mm. trying to make them like in a, a, a groovy band. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that that was an element, a sort of uh, a sign of the times to a certain extent. You're right. You know, they did make some sort of commercially more successful records, and and I think the artwork reflects that. You know, and he talks about Revelations, which is essentially a blue sleeve. You know, yeah. and, uh, and 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 etc. You know, they it, it, and that's what I'm saying. You know, if they come back and then make another record that touches on some of the some of the genius of those first, which I'm sure it will. The time is right. I think the. Killing Joke are a sort of very mysterious band and, you know, they reach into the into the netherworld, so to speak. And I, and I think that that is a lot about timing and things coming round and being part of the zeitgeist. And the time is really right for a, a really great Killing Joke record that comes as the full package. And 
and I, and I and I know when we talked about this before, you, you know, when I, we met you a few weeks ago, and we were talking about the legacy of artists and how, you know, some of them never really sort of recapture their sort of moment and their relevance in the story of the music. And I think that Killing Joke, one of those rare bands that are able to kind of come back round and say, look, you know, almost say what we were doing back in 1979, 1980 was a precursor to what we're doing in 2024, 2025, because it's all part of the story. Um, I hope so. I mean, when I spoke to Jazz at the Royal, after the Royal Albert Hall gig, hmm. He just said the new album. He said, "Mike, it's going to be experimental." Yeah, oh, and I thought right. that sort of excited me a bit. Yeah, yeah, the mental bit, but the mental course, bit. <laughs> yeah, the mental bit. <laughs> yeah, but coming out. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is like where what's this for? Was yeah, you know, yeah. It, it wasn't like the first album, but it was still brilliant. But what, but the first album was experimental coming out of punk yeah, that yeah. experimental record because the, the the electronic sound the keyboards the song structure yeah. was a complete change to the sort of more sort of you know 3 minute shouty punk song and you know it was a punk record but it was an experimental punk record that that you know came with its own its own validity and stuff and you know yeah. it, it really changed things and and so i'm looking forward to another experiment I and mean, perhaps and that's the record that killing joke need to make is an experimental record rather than another killing joke record in in my view yeah and, yeah i agree you know i mean I spoke, me, I, I, the, last, you the know, last time they really surprised me was pandemonium mm. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was fantastic, but since then they've just made great albums that haven't sort of knocked any walls down or anything. Yeah, they've connected but... with the existing fan base and not really opened it up to a new, a, a new unsuspecting audience, which is the problem a lot of bands are finding at the moment with the disposable nature of uh, how music is consumed in today's world which is also another thing I, I was going to talk to you quickly about art in in today's world in conjunction with music we used to go into record shops and pick up the sleeve and go wow look at that some look at the time somebody's taking over that and now you got a thumbnail online you got yeah. a thumbnail yeah. on, on on spotify or itunes and you know it must be it must be soul destroying for a, an artist to see that is how their uh, art is displayed in the digital world. Yeah. I've got a lovely Which... story. When I did the exhibition for 40 years in the wilderness, this guy turned up, skinhead guy in his 50s, immaculate, Dr. Martins, the whole lot, the braces, and he was a huge Killing Joke fan. And he said he got into Killing Joke because when he was a young punk, teenage punk, all his mates and everyone, they were a teenage skinhead. Everyone yeah. was getting into punk, so he thought, oh, I better get some punk. So he went down the record shop and he saw the war dance sleeve. Hmm. And he thought, yeah. whoa, that looks good, I'm having that. So he bought <laughs> war dance. This is an oi boy, you know, proper right. skinhead. Yep. Took it home and absolutely loved it. Yeah. And that was just because of the record sleeve. Yeah. These days, you wouldn't look at a thumbnail and think, "Oh God, I'll have some of that." You know, 
No, I mean... I'm 40 like... Years in the Wilderness. 40 Years in the Wilderness, you crowdfunded that book. Is that right? I just pre... I didn't crowdfund it. I just pre-sold it on the Malaysia website. Right, OK. So it's available... It's the same thing, but without having to pay any commission to anyone or anything. Yeah, like and it's still available through the maliciousdamage.biz no, website. sold out. Right, OK. But if anybody wants a copy, I'll sell them a, a personalised PDF of the whole thing. Mm. <laughs> quid. Well, maybe you could um, maybe you could let us know how we can hook that up, and we can put it up on yeah. our. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we if you post, it, we can post that. Yeah, yeah, we can post that on our socials because a friend of mine back in Scotland, Mike, is actually you've credited him in in the book, and so he's one of the, the credits at the end of the book. And he said he you said it was crowdfunded, but it's possibly just he's bought the book in a, in pre order, and his his name's in there. Anyone so. who pre ordered it got their name in it. Yeah, yeah. So he's What's he's well name? chuffed. Alan Berry. Alan Berry, did I do him yeah. a tattoo? Oh, he's got loads of tattoos. I'll have to ask him. I haven't seen him for a while. He listens intently to the podcast, so I'm sure. Well, yeah. he's got he's got a shout out there. So, well done, Alan. Right there, you go. So, um, you, you were saying earlier on as well that you you've got another event coming up, and in, 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 you're preparing for another exhibition. I did a pack of cards that I did a. A lot of nursery rhymes, mercenary rhymes, I called them, nice. that went with it. And I did that right. in the book about four or five years ago, and I've, I've redone the whole thing. So I've got an exhibition coming up next March. Where, where's that going to be? It's going to be in um, Bethnal Green Road, just up from Rich Mix. Okay. okay. The gallery called Espacio. Okay, well, we'll, we'll make it for a week. We'll make sure we keep in touch with you about that, and we'll we'll get that yeah, in. I'll send you a flyer and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and we'll mark it. We'll push it on our socials, and uh, you know, we'll definitely come along to that. You know, so I mean, any final questions, sure? Because I'm looking at the clock. Yeah, we do need to keep an eye on the clock because we have a habit of kind of running over the end, <laughs> the end of these because we get talking to people that we like, and then we I'm can't. Watching it. We got. We yeah, got we're, all right. we're all right. I was going to say you. You had mentioned earlier on that you're working on some artwork for the Orb. I mean, what's next? I mean, I guess we started on the mid-70s and Killing yeah. Joke, and here we are at the end. I mean, what's what's next for Mike, Mike Coles? Um, I'll just plod on doing... I mean, Alex, Alex Patterson, the Orb, he's got a new, a new label of his own now called Obscure. Right. Which he's been looked after by Cooking Vinyl. So I'm helping him out, helping him out quite a bit on that. Mm. Mm. And I'm just enjoying doing my own stuff without any pressure. Mm. Oh, okay, well that's great. Well, you know, you need to you need to make sure that you give us some uh, information about this exhibition because I'd really like to come. I mean, is that just going to stay in London, or you, will you do you have plans to take it, you know, to other? No, it'll just stay in London for a week. Right. Okay. All right. Well. Look. I, I, I am keeping an eye on the on the clock here. I mean, we last last time we did the podcast, we we had our guest on. We were going to do an outro, and I think I got about three seconds of the track. Uh, I think you got one second. I should have I played mean, that if that would have been the whole album. Yeah, but we're definitely going to finish on a classic track here. So I think our listeners should uh, get uh, more than a, a second of that. Uh, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure. An absolute pleasure to yeah, meet you. Yeah, great talking to you both. You know, oh, and, and, let me see you down the Elgin again soon. Yeah, yeah, we'll be down the, down the Elgin, definitely. 
Well, also, yeah. we, we were talking to a mutual friend earlier on, and I think you might even be about next week in in London, in off Oxford Street somewhere. So, we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely connect with you about that. So, okay. right. So, thanks, Mike. Really great. Thank you. Um, we look forward to uh, the next podcast, which is the letter D, in a couple of weeks. Um, we'll update people on the guest for that. I'm going to play us out now with a, a classic track with classic artwork. This is uh, Killing Jokes, uh, War Dance. Thanks again, Mike. Um, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Okay? All the best. All the best, man. See you, man. Bye.